just a moment, would you give him the praise that he is worthy of? Lord, we worship you, Jesus. Lift your voice. Jesus, you are worthy. God, we love you, God. We trust you today. Let your will be done today, Jesus. Not our will, dear God, but thine be done today, Lord. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise for me this morning? Give him a hand clap for who he is, for what he's done, for making it through another week. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Before you're seated, turn around, tell somebody that you are happy to see them in the house of the Lord. everybody happy Sunday in Africa we had a thing and y'all some of y'all have heard me say this but every Sunday when you walk down the street in Africa somebody would make the statement they'd walk by and they would say happy Sunday and I asked somebody I said why do you say happy Sunday he said because I am alive <laughs> and you know what it is a happy Sunday whenever you show up in the presence of the house of God with people of like-minded faith. It's a good day to be in church. Amen. Amen. I do want to mention myself a couple things. Number one, small groups. If you have not joined a small group, you can join one. And I, I also heard through the grapevine and by talking to one guy that they are going to start a drama group here. Some of y'all got a lot of drama, so y'all need to join that group. <laughs> But they're going to start a drama group, so by all means, go on to the Church Center app if you have not. Sign up for a small group. Also, of course, we have Church Super Bowl Sunday coming up, which is better known as Easter for those of you who do not know. If you have not invited somebody to church, this is the time. <laughs> Invite somebody to church for Easter. Make sure you bring somebody with you. It would be great to have them here. And I want to just to be able to echo what Mike said. I am so happy that, that they're doing VBS here this year. Tina, a lot of you do not know, but the lady who was the director of our daycare is Tina Isaacson. And Tina has, has she came to me, she's a pastor. I'd really love to do a VBS. And I said, I would love for you to do a VBS. So we have that coming up. And with that, I do encourage as the pastor of the church, please, guys, jump in volunteer we have the ability to affect our community through this i remember as a child who, who all here other than me who all went to vacation bible school as a kid who all went to a vacation bible school that was not your church okay so it wasn't just my parents <laughs> i used to make a joke as a kid that mom and dad wanted us to go to vacation bible school just to get us out of the house for a little bit so we went to everybody's vacation bible school I've been to Baptist Lutheran. If they had a vacation Bible school, we was invited. Come on, somebody. I'm going to turn this or else I will kick it about halfway through. Also coming up this summer, look at your neighbor and say summer nights. Summer days, but summer nights. This summer, we're going to do summer nights again. So we will be having Wednesday night service during the summer. And we're going to do summer nights. Now, I have contemplated. Now, don't raise your hand. Don't lie in church, okay? Don't raise your hand if you're not. But if you would like to see after this spring semester of small groups, us have Wednesday night church, raise your hand. If you will come, okay? That's enough. We are looking at going through, and it gives me the ability to teach some things and talk about some things that I don't normally do on Sundays. I have a rule, and a lot of you know this, that I say Sundays are for sinners, so welcome all you sinners. But it gives us the ability to teach some things on Wednesday nights, and we actually have a family here that has attended this church because of Wednesday night service, and it was the Pablos that came on a Wednesday night on summer nights last year and have continued through that. So there is some effectiveness into it, and I would love to do it some as well. But we're going to give it a shot. But I'm telling you right now, it's up to y'all because I don't get paid anymore to preach twice as much. <laughs> but by all means, I love Wednesday night church. I do. But in the current culture of today's world, it's difficult, I will say, just so you know, with a younger crowd to go to church on Wednesday nights. Now, I was raised that you went to church. <laughs> 
Yes. You were in church. Just all you did other things. But generally church what you did. You did church first and everything else was second, third, fourth, and fifth. But I, I look forward to it. I look forward to it. Out of respect and reverence, if you don't mind, I'm going to do something a little bit old school this morning. Would you stand? May I ask you that you would stand for the reading of the Word? If you have your Bible, say, I got my Bible. If you charged it up last night, say, Amen. There we go. We're going to be in the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers, chapter 6. I'm going to be reading from verse 22 through verse 27. Numbers, chapter 6. Verse 22 through 27. If you got it, say, I got it. If you need some more time, say, hold up. I heard one. It was Terry. Next Sunday, we're getting you a tabbed Bible. You're welcome. <laughs> and the Lord, or the Lord, said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. And the Lord, look at your neighbor and say, turn his face towards you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. I'm going to jump to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 through 6. I'm going to be reading this in the NLT. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 through 6. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. So you know, I got no interest in preaching on me. We preach that, and we ourselves are servants, that, uh, that we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. Verse number 6 said, For God who said, Let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in your hearts so we could know that the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. I want to talk for about the next three hours and 45 minutes about a simple subject called attachment issues. I didn't put this out online. Attachment issues. And I wanted to name it about 10 other things, and I thought to myself, I, can't, I just need to put it bluntly. Attachment, look at your neighbor and say, attachment issues. Don't be seated. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, help. Amen. Do me a favor. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, you might have attachment issues. Now, if and only if you're going to help me preach, you may be seated. I'm trying to see who's not. Okay, we got 100. <laughs> I love you. Sit down. <laughs> There's always the one. There's always the one. <laughs> I have moments in my life where damage was done by things that happened in the past. The number one thing that I think about was whenever I was a kid and we had to hook up a trailer. Men, do you know what I'm talking about? Whenever you had to hook up a trailer as a kid, you had attachment issues for the very first time in your life. Now, guys, I'm going to be honest. I come from old school. I come from country redneck, Derrida, Louisiana. And the one thing that we judged other men by was how well you could back up a truck. Is it just me or are we, are we in Molino? <laughs> if you couldn't back up a truck, we asked for your man card. Like, where have you been? Have you ever worked? But, but we had, a, I, that was my very first attachment issue, was how to hook up. A trailer to a truck. Now, I know y'all got these fancy trucks today that's got the cameras in the back. I still drive a 1981 CJ7. I don't have a backup camera, but the windshield's only four feet behind me, so it's not that hard. Or the back glass. The windshield's about six inches in front of my face. No airbags. We die like men. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but I remember as a kid being able to, to sit, and I, it starts off when you're young, you got to stand by the trailer, right? And you got to look at your daddy, you got to give him a left, the right, the hold up, or you got to give this. And then we do this when you're close and stop. And without, 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 every single time, I just put it, every single time, it was that far too far back, that far too far forward, that far too far to the left, or that far too far to the right. 
And there was nothing that thrilled my father's heart more. Let me tell him you got to pull up again. And after about the 19th time, I had attachment issues from my father's face. <laughs> Sounds would come out of it. And all I could see was his eyeballs in the rearview mirror. And I'd tell him, hang your head out the window and look at me. But the problem is, is he's hanging his head out the window, and I'd be on the wrong side of the truck. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. Attachment issues. As a kid, though, I learned the trick of to look, to look into the face of my father. I could get direction just from looking at the face of my dad. I could discover what I was doing right and whatever I was doing wrong just by looking at the face of my father. There's something about looking into somebody's face. Every now and then I like to look at my wife and I say, I like your face. I'm a little weird. But I'll tell her, I like, don't I, baby? I tell her, I, I love your face. We live in a digital world, a world that no longer values face-to-face -face like we used to. Whenever I was a kid, if you had a problem, a man problem, another man, you went and dealt with it, how? Face-to-face. I remember back in whenever phones first come out, somebody texts you something, and you'd say, hey, what's going on? They'd say, F2F. In other words, I don't want to text this. We're going to meet about this face-to-face. -face. I have not got that message in like 10 years. Now everybody just wants to handle it digital. We can just talk about it. Matter of fact, I remember when the phone used to ring, and you'd run to answer it. Now the phone rings, and everybody goes, who in the world is calling me? Why can't they just text? I've learned in today's world, if they're under 25, don't bother. You can call them all you want to. They'll text. What do you want? Well, I wanted to talk to you, obviously. That's the reason why I called you. But I got a text message in the back. There's something about looking into somebody's face. I can read your emotions whenever I look into your face. I can see how something hits you whenever I look at your face. I know what it meant to you. You know, I remember as a kid playing sports, that I would always try to see my dad. I'd want to know how I was doing, and I was looking for approval through the face of my father. I wanted to know, hey, is this okay? Is what I'm doing all right? Is, 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 do you agree? Did, did I do okay? Is this what you wanted? Is this what you raised me for? Looking into the face of my father. You know, nobody as a kid had to teach you how to look for approval. Nobody ever had to teach you how to look for approval. We naturally look for approval. We look for approval in everything we do. I, I, I'll catch myself sometimes whenever I'm preaching, looking at my wife, just to see if what I said was okay, to see if she nods her head or goes, don't talk about me. Zoom meetings, we got these Zoom meetings now. Do me a favor, phone on a Zoom meeting, turn on your camera, okay? Drives me nuts when we're on a Zoom meeting, everybody turns off. Their, I got no clue. I don't know if you're over there watching Netflix I, I, I don't know what you're doing, but I, I want to see your face. I want to see what the reaction is. And, and, and I also want to know if you're on Facebook or not while I'm, while I'm preaching. Come on, somebody. Now, I, I have to also, y'all don't ever get to see y'all's faces from this vantage point. <laughs> I do. And, and I, like, I, I like to look at people's faces while I'm preaching because it gives me an idea of where they're at. And I, I can get messed up. I'll be honest with y'all. I can get messed up if I look at the wrong people. Because some of y'all look like you've been eating pickles. For breakfast. And I, I learned to pick y'all out the crowd, and so I don't look at you. I just scan. You just uh, hold, look and scan. It's like, yes, Jesus, that one's got the Holy Ghost. I'm not for sure. No, I ain't staring at that one very long. But it's in the face of the person. It matters what you do with your face. Do you know that? This is a real deep message. If y'all hadn't figured it out yet, I'm going real deep this morning. It matters what you do with your face. They have a resting face that I'm not going to talk about the middle of it. <laughs> I've met some wonderful people who didn't know how to look normal. <laughs> I've met some wonderful people whose face was not good whenever they were just trying to be kind. And you automatically think they had a bad attitude. <laughs> Y'all know who I'm talking about. Y'all, Everybody in here has got one person in their mind right now. You saw the resting face that you automatically think. Something's wrong. Now, we also have this wonderful thing in today's world. Hand me my phone. I'm going to leave it in my pocket. I took it out. With an iPhone, they have this new deal. Hey, Mike Weekly text me. F2F, one minute ago. 
leave it to that. Leave it to, leave it to Beaver. But they have this new thing with iPhones now. It's called facial recognition. Y'all know that. Facial recognition, where you pick up your phone and it knows who you are automatically. By the way, that's all four of our girls, and I, I, I want to give a little bit of a testimony. We expected everything to go through with the two girls we adopted on July 19th. They came last Tuesday, I believe. I believe it was last Tuesday, and she said, hey, look, they finalized everything. As of this Sunday, the girls are 100% y'alls. The case is closed. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So today, this evening, my wife and I will pick up two little girls that are 100% ours. You know, whenever you have children, and especially babies, one of the things you want is for them to recognize you. It's the facial recognition. And what I've discovered, and it was really cool, Miranda was talking about this this week, was that Gemma, what's crazy is that if Gemma takes my phone or Miranda's phone, and if she turns her face just right, she can unlock our phones. It's scary. It'll make you be careful as to what you're looking at. There's just enough of my face in her face that she can unlock what I've been up to. There's just enough of, 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 of Miranda's face and her face that if she looks at her phone long enough and she turns it just right, Anybody other than me ever had, like, you're in a dark room or something and you're trying to get your phone to open and you're, <laughs> there's just enough that she can see iPhones, face, who would have ever thought when we had a phone with a cord that one day that phone would be looking at us, trying to let us know whether we could, I'd have never thought that. And me and we got problems. You got a phone, girl, beard, it'll lock you out. Shave your beard off. It'll disown you. Ladies, you know, get glasses. Take them off. All of a sudden, the phone forgets about who you are. It doesn't know who you are. Wear a mask in 2021. And all of a sudden, your phone doesn't know who you are. In case you guys don't know, they came out with this thing. And it's called alternate, A-L-T-E-R, appearances on your phone. You can now set up so you can put on a mask and you can give it an alternate appearance so your phone will recognize who you are. So your phone knows who you are and you can set up multiple alternate <laughs> appearances. Tying a few messages in here together this morning, Mike. Alternate appearances. It knows who you are. This will give you the ability to have access even with a mask on. You see, danger comes when you learn to use alternate appearances. Now, in case you've forgotten, I am preaching this morning on the subject of attachment issues. Attachment issues. I believe this morning if you could see the person down your row, and if the person down your row could see the people that are inside of you, the alternate appearances, I believe that there is a long list of alternate appearances inside of each and every person here today. People who are willing to change the things that they do, the way that they talk, the way that you behave, simply out of desperation for the affirmation and recognition of someone else. My wife picks on me because I speak just enough Spanish that whenever I'm hanging around somebody who speaks only Spanish, my accent changes. I see some of y'all here, y'all don't speak Spanish. But for some reason, when you talk to somebody who does not speak English, you think they're deaf. <laughs> Do you understand me? Man, he don't speak English. He's not deaf. You ain't got to shout it. <laughs> Alternate appearances, altering who we are because of desperation for the affirmation and the recognition of one of another person. We act one way at church. We act another way at work. We say things at church that we'd never say at work, and we say things at work that we'd never say at church. It's an alternate appearance. We change our accents and our accessories just to feel accepted. We used to do it in church. 
change our accessories. We'd wear a necktie that we didn't wipe our mouth with. We didn't use it for the things it was created for just because everybody else wore a necktie. Thank God we no longer wear neckties at this church. Amen. Come on, somebody. <laughs> if you're taking notes, write this down. Don't crave acceptance over authenticity. Do not crave acceptance over authenticity. The reason being is you'll be left with misery from the lack of authenticity. All we want is somebody who will get excited to see us. That's what we want. We want somebody who is happy, who has joy. We, we just want the power to have the ability to light up their face. Y'all remember dating what were you looking for? You weren't looking whenever you were young for somebody who was in love. Really, you were looking for somebody just happy to see you. They were happy that you were there. I know one human group on the face of planet Earth who has the ability to do this. There is one group of humans that have the ability to do this, and it is babies. I love babies. I do. I love babies. You can have the world's biggest biker with all the tattoos. Got a knife in his pocket and a shotgun on his back. Let him see a baby. Oh, he's so cute. His voice will go up for you. You can have the world's biggest thug. Thinks he is the best thing and the biggest and the baddest. Show up. I don't know what you're talking about. A baby walk in like, oh, look at the baby. It's so cute. Babies have the ability to do something that nobody. It'll make us change our appearances. It'll make you change the way you talk. Babies. Why does this happen? Because there's something about a baby. It's defenseless. It's new. Something about a baby that makes us want to encourage the baby to know that, that we are for them. That's what we want the child. We want you to know that we are for you, not against you. When I began to study the psychology of babies in, in, in college, I took two years towards elementary education, and we had to take child psychology, and looking at the study of infants, they say that as an infant is as young as nine minutes old, it learns to recognize faces. As young as nine minutes old, it will recognize the voice of the mother who has carried it and the father that is in the room. Now, at four months, they have the ability to differentiate, differentiate the face of the mother and the father from everyone else in the crowd. Just a child. Science also has recognized the importance of having the familiar voice of the mother and father in the room whenever they are born. This is but one of the reasons. Think about what is the power of being born again because I believe that there are people in church who never had a mother or a father. His voice into your life and for the first time a comfort that you may have never known is now found in a man named Jesus who sacked you have the ability to be born in all over again. Familiar voice. The familiar voice. It's not just a place of salvation but it's a place of understanding. It's understanding that you can't it's understanding that you can't do life alone. That you can't grow by yourself without somebody helping you. It's not that you can't grow by yourself without somebody helping you. It's not just you. You can come crying in your birthday crying in your birthday suit and his face the Bible says that God's face will turn towards you. His face will turn towards you. We have issues with this, though. We don't see ourselves towards you. We have issues with this, though. We don't see ourselves, you see, as children of God. Issues with this, though. We don't see ourselves, you see, as children of God. We attach things to how that things to how that He sees us instead of how we see ourselves. We put the blame on who he is, and I want to ask everybody in this room one simple question this morning. What does the face of Jesus look like when he looks at you? What does the face of Jesus look like when he looks at you? In your mind, whenever Jesus looks at you, is he annoyed? Is he frustrated? Is it disappointment? 
Is it anger? You know, people don't come to church because they think he's angry at them. They don't come to church because they think God is angry. He's upset at what they've done. Is it joy? Wow. Do you see the face of God towards you constantly changing? Something we don't think about in church. Oh, she's at church. Ah, it's so great. And the next Sunday you miss. Oh, where is she at? You gave in the offering. Oh, God bless him. Bless him, Lord. I gave. I'm so proud of him. And then the next Sunday, you don't have anything to give, and God's looking at you going, well, all I did was just give them life. Bible reading. She read her Bible on Monday. It's so great. The Word of God. And then on Tuesday, you wake up, and you spend no time in the Word. What does the face of God, how do you see the face of God towards you? You see, the face of God is affecting your behavior without you ever realizing it. How you see the face of God is affecting how you treat and talk to everybody else. Do you think that we have a schizophrenic Savior? You see, we place human attributes on a God who is love and a God who is joy. We seem to think that God is actually schizophrenic, that one day he's happy, the next second he's sad. He's overjoyed, and then there's disappointment. There's frustration with us. We don't really understand the character and the nature of God. And I want to tell you this, that how you see his face affects your behavior. Attachment, issues. I want to give somebody hope this morning for just a second. If you are saved, you are saved by his sacrifice. You are saved by the record of which that he kept, not your actions. You are saved by actions that are his and not yours. The Jesus that I serve does not wait for his joy on where you're at. But instead, he said, I know what I gave and I know who I am. And because of who I am, they have the ability to approach me in whatsoever state that they are. And I will find joy in who they are because you are my child and I love you. No matter where you're at, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. You know, the translation of how you see Jesus equals the treatment of how you treat other people. If you have the wrong translation about how God feels about you, it will change how you treat other people. I want to give some backdrop to the text that I read this morning. And I want to talk about attachment issues. This is the backdrop of the book of Numbers. Moses is who we are talking about. And there's a story in Numbers chapter 20, verse 10 through 12, where God tells Moses to hit the rock because the children of Israel are complaining about being thirsty. He tells him to hit the rock. Verse 10, he said, he and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, listen, you rebels. I love that scripture every time I read it. Must we bring water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and he struck the rock twice. Did your neighbor say twice with his staff? And the Bible says that water gushed out and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. I read this scripture and I pondered it. You know, first of all, this was not what God told him to do. He told me, I want you to strike the rock once. He did tell him to hit it the first time. I want you to hit the rock. But out of the anger that was in Moses' heart, he hits it twice. And I asked myself, why would such what seems to be a simple issue and a simple problem turn into something so big that now everything that he's worked for the last 40 years, he loses out? simply because of something he did in two seconds. Now, I'm talking about the face of God and seeking the face of God and how that the anger of God doesn't, it doesn't change. And I begin to question at this point, well, God, it seems like you pitched a fit. Is it just me? It seemed like he, he kind of lost it for a second. Whenever he does, I said, God, how in the world? It seemed to me like your face changed towards Moses. 
And then I begin to look at the reason that God gave him the instruction, the offense that took place. You see, he knew that he would only be hung on a cross once. He knew that he was the rock. And only once would he hang and would he be struck into the point of death. And he, what, what Moses did not realize is that he hadn't just offended the face of God, but he had offended the plan of God. Because for the first time, Moses struck something twice. And God looked and said, no, I've only got to hang on a, I've only got to hang on a cross once, Moses. You offended my future. You don't understand what happened, Moses, what got you to this place. Seems to be a hard punishment for a guy that's been leading your people for many, many years. Was it that Moses had forgotten the face of his father? Current movie. If anybody gets that other than me. Was it that Moses had forgotten the face of it? Did he forget the face of who Jesus really was? God tells Moses, he says, I'm going I'm to tell you how to bless the children of Israel. And he gives him specific words that we now sing. Lord, bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord, turn his face towards you and give you peace. I read all of this, and I looked at the, the life of Moses, and I asked myself a question. Why did Moses get a face-to-face -face meeting with God? What is it that required Moses to get a face-to-face -face with God that the other prophets, they'd have dreams, they'd have visions? But Moses is different. Moses gets to actually sit down and talk with God. It didn't happen with the other prophets. What gave him this privilege? And then I began to look into the past of Moses and I learned a little more. You see, Moses as a baby never got the privilege of seeing the face of his parents light up. Moses had a childhood that was a little bit different than everybody else around him. The Bible says that he was hidden in the house for three months. I don't know where his parents put him. They put him in a kitchen cabinet. They put him in the basement. If they had one of them secret floorboards or a stairway that lifted up. But he was hidden for three months. You see, he missed out. Moses, as a child, missed out seeing the face of his father. He missed out on seeing the pride that his dad would have had in what he had done. He missed out on seeing the joy of his mother whenever he passed the ball. He just rolled the ball. He missed out on the joy whenever maybe he walked for the first time. He missed out. See, to Moses, it looked like rejection. To Moses, it looked like it looked like my family's rejecting me because nobody's there. But to the parents, it looked like protection. What looked like rejection to Moses looked like protection to mama and daddy. What looked like rejection when nobody loves me really and truthfully was protection of a mother and father who knew that if they were going to save the little child's life, that they would be required to hide him. This is how it works. Moses... It looks like rejection floating down a river in a basket with animals around you, alligators wanting to eat you. It looks like rejection when the beasts of the world look at you like your food, but the hand of God was guiding the life of Moses. What he looked like rejection to him was the hand of God whenever he's in a basket headed down the Nile. The path that you've been taken through, the path that you've been taken to, and I'm talking to you sitting in the house this morning, the path that you're on, the things that you're dealing with would have killed somebody else. Some of you here, you have dealt with things in your life that would have put a quote-unquote normal person in a grave. But I want to tell somebody this this morning. What you have seen as rejection is not rejection at all. God has put you in a place that protects you because he has an intent and a plan. He has something for your future. He knows who you are, where you're at, and he loves you. path that God's got you on. You may see it as rejection, but God says, I'm protecting them. I'm holding them from something that I did not intend. Can anybody other than me this morning testify that the hand of God has been in your life? Attachment issues. Moses seemingly missed out. Seemingly, it seems like he missed out on what should have been a great childhood. And I've heard several of the stories of people in this room this morning of childhood issues and problems that you have faced. But what was it 
What was it in his upbringing that made God come down to him the way that he did? I ask myself, what was it about Moses that made God address him differently than he did everybody else? In Miranda and I's recent path to adoption, we studied this subject, attachment issues. To be completely clear, my wife studied this subject of attachment issues and then required me to study this subject of attachment. And I got into it at first, and I was like, yeah, it's cool. And then all of a sudden, it hit me one day. Attachment. Brandon, you might have some attachment issues. And I thought to myself, no, I got some detachment issues. And the Lord said, no, Brandon, shut up. You got some attachment issues. We found out through studying that if a child does not properly attach, there are issues that can be carried for an entire lifetime. And one of the things that we discovered and we've already seen in people, sometimes adults, is this thing called mommy shopping. Mommy shopping. Now, I'll be honest with y'all, and y'all have heard me say it, and I'll double down on it. I love my kids. I'll do anything in the world for my kids because I love my kids does not mean I love yours. I like them, but I don't want to feed them five days a week, okay? And I, I, they, they, they talked about this mommy. What is my, she told me, I remember what she said, it, mommy shopping. What is mommy shopping? She said it's when children do not properly attach and they don't know where their care actually comes from. So what happens is, is whenever somebody will give them what they want, they will automatically light up and they will treat them as if they are the caregiver. I said, well, that's creepy. And then I went to hug and snuggle kids, I'll be honest with y'all, in our daycare. And I watched as different kids would come up to me, and all of a sudden they would begin to treat me as if I was their father. And a light bulb went off in my head. This child has attachment issues. They automatically place trust where trust maybe shouldn't be. They automatically give value to words that really and truthfully they shouldn't be valuing you. You listen to the opinion of somebody else and all of a sudden it becomes truth. When the truth is, they got no, they got no business speaking into your life in the first place. Attachment issues. They have the inability to attach in any other relationships. And as soon as things get tough, things get tough, they leave. There were multiple others listed. They said difficulty of reading emotions. A resistance to affection, a difficulty showing affection, low levels of trust, difficulty maintaining relationships, a negative self-image, anger issues, and impulsivity. All of a sudden, something happens and they blow up. Once I got to the end of this and I opened my Bible, I discovered now I understand Moses better. It changed everything. For me about the life of Moses because I discovered from what happened in the life of Moses whenever he was a child, Moses without a doubt had attachment issues. The things and the way that, that he responded now, it spoke to me differently. Why did he kill a guy when all the guy did really and truthfully was offend one of his own kind? Now we find him running. Why did you run? Why didn't you be a man and stand up? No, you see, he had attachment issues. Now the life and the story of Moses begins to look very differently to me whenever I lay the truth of psychology that we have now discovered over the life of someone in the Bible. I'm quite sure Moses went undiagnosed just like some of you. Don't look at your spouse right now. Straight on, straight on. But it made a difference and I told my wife laying in bed, I said, you know what, now I want to go back and reassess Every person in the Bible. Because Moses' life makes a lot more sense now that I know. Moses had attachment issues. Now, you may see where it started for you in your own life. Still, though, I ask, why, God? If you took a kid that you knew had attachment issues, why in the world would you choose this guy, a murderer who ran to Midian, came up in a basket, not, not much of a pedigree, raised by a man that wasn't his father, calling on a mama that was actually the servant 
Why in the world would you take all of these people that it's all this messed up, and, and you would take him, make him bring him up? This guy had problems. He was messed up in the head. Why in the world would you take and choose this guy to lead people? And really and truthfully, mostly what I wanted to know was how is Moses healed? You see, I say this pretty often in church, really not for you guys, but to check myself. A lot of times in church, we're really good about laying out all the problems and telling you to pray about it and go home. <laughs> it's a cruel trick of all ministers. <laughs> You're a messed up, meet God, get saved, go home. <laughs> we really do that. And so whenever I read this, it started hitting me personally. I was like, okay, God, I see it. How did he get healed? Because apparently i got a problem. How did he get healed? God, what did you do? For my, how did you change Moses, God? How did he get healed? I look back at the story of Moses, and one of the first things that I find is Moses standing in front of a burning bush. Moses in the burning bush. A lot of you know the story. We got messed up Moses who's been told by God to lead the people, and he's not with it. In Exodus chapter 3, I'm going to begin reading in verse 3. It says, Now Moses was tending to the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There an angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight. Common sense. If I see a bush that's on fire, but it's not on fire, but there's fire around it, I'm going to go look closer. Why does this bush not? The Lord saw that he had gone over to look, and God called to him from the bush. Moses. Moses. Moses left a wet spot in the sand and ran. No, I'm kidding. And Moses said, here I am. Moses said, here I am. This is his reason. He says, do not clone any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Israel. But Moses said to God, Who am I? Now, whenever I look at the entire story, I understand that attachment issues create identity issues. Has anybody other than me ever felt like God asked you to do something and you didn't have the ability? God, I, 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 you don't know. I don't even know your word that well. I wasn't raised in church. I, I, I didn't listen. Maybe you were in church and God, I didn't pay attention. Maybe, maybe it was something that happened in your past and you look and you say, God, how in the world can I ever lead somebody? This is a man who was a murderer who ran, who's standing before God, and God speaks to him, tells him who he is, and he answers back, who am I? I want to tell you there's some people I believe standing in Molino, Florida this morning who God has asked you to do things. God has called you to do some things. And instead of you stepping out and doing, you've responded back with God, who am I? God, you've asked me to do something. You, you want me to be somebody, but God, you don't understand. Like, like somehow or another, the face of God has changed because of your past. Like somehow or another, the face of God has changed because of your circumstance. Like somehow or another, he's no longer happy because you, don't, you haven't made it out financially successful. Like somehow or another, God has dismissed you because you're emotionally unstable. This is where he's standing. He says, who, who am I, that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God said, I'll be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you 
will worship God on this mountain. He knows who he is. He knows that he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But you see, there was an issue. Because during this time, he was not the only God that was worshipped and served. Just like in today's world, Jesus is not the only God that is served. Because the world has created idols of different things. And he knew this. Moses knew this. So he begins to talk to God. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites. Suppose. Anybody with me ever had that conversation with God? God, let's just assume that I do what you ask. God, let's just assume that, 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 that I do witness to them. Let's just make this a, He said, suppose that I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is your name? What do I tell them? I thought this was a stupid question. Whenever I read this, I was like, you're a dummy, Moses. He just said through a bush that was not being consumed while you're standing there with no shoes on the ground and asking who he is, I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob. So I read this, and I asked myself, Moses, why are you asking a dumb question? It's not like you're going to get this opportunity again. Please ask the right questions. Responds back to him, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. The I am has sent you to me. Here stands Moses with all of his attachment issues and God who's described who he is. But he tells him to tell them, I am. Why? Why in the world would God just tell him, I am? I want to tell you this is why. With the attachment issues that Moses had from his past, from the things that had taken place, from the change in his raising, from all of the battles that he had fought, He had a difficult time really understanding the face of his father. He didn't believe that God recognized him in the manner that he really was. He didn't see that God really saw him. So instead of him saying, God, heal me, fix me, take me, change me, make me whole again, he began to question who God was. And he began to lay the attributes. He began to lay the attributes of his own problems and his own childhood and everything else upon the face of God. And now that God is asking him to do something, instead of answering back, here I am, Lord, use me, he's saying, God, who are you? God answers, I am. Come on back for me, David. He answers, I am. Moses, you don't need to know that I am God alone. The answer that God gives Moses was something that I did not expect. You see, whenever I read the scripture, I am that I am, and we love preaching that verse, it never really connected to me that he told him who he was, but, and Moses knew that who he was, but yet he still asked, who do I call you? What does it matter that I call you? And whenever I begin to ask God, God, how in the world can I be healed of my attachment issues? How in the world am I supposed to change? How can I understand to seek your face as who you are, a God of hope, a God of love, a God of faith, without believing that all of a sudden you change every time I change, every time I've got a problem, every time my money don't match, every time that we're in an argument or misunderstanding. How in the world, God, can I understand? How can I seek your face? Your face is always changing. God spoke to me said, do you know who I am? Of course I know you're the God of Jacob, Abraham. No. Do you know the I am? know the I am. I know who you are. No, do you know the I am? The answer that I found to the attachment issues of your life and to the life of Moses was in the I am. Moses, you don't need to know that I'm God alone. You already know that. But what you need to know is I'm your peace. I'm not just your peace, I'm also your joy. I'm your life, but I'm not just your life, I'm also your strength. So I need you to know that I'm your provider, but I'm not just your provider, I'm also your protector. I need you to know that I'm your refuge, but I'm not just your refuge, I'm also your shield. 
You see, he's more than just a God who sits up on a throne. He's more than a, than a Jesus who hung himself upon a cross for your sins. But he is the I am. What do you mean, preacher? I mean that he is the thing that you've needed the entire time. He's not just something hanging up in oblivion, waiting for you to make a mistake that looks upon you with disappointment. But he says, I already did it. And I already know. I've already written the back of the book. And if you're failing, I love you. I smile upon you because you're my child. If you're sitting on the bench, I still love you because I know the plan that I've got for you. I know what Jeremiah said, and I spoke those words into existence. Let me tell somebody this morning, if you have fault throughout your life saying, God, I just can't seek your face. I don't understand who you are. I can't really talk to you. I want you to know something. The I am is the I am of where you're at. He's the I am of the past. He's the I am of the present. He's the I am of the future. I am has come that you might have life that you might have it more abundantly I'm not sitting here telling you don't know God because Moses knew who he was but Moses didn't know we spend our time all of a sudden what Paul said hit me different in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 11 through 13 he said whenever I was a child talking to somebody here this morning that, that you felt rejected and some of you who are sitting this morning feeling rejected Tell you something, God has not rejected. Tell you something, God has not rejected you. He's protected you. I don't understand why I got these problems. Maybe God protected you. I don't understand why I got these problems. Maybe God needs you to isolate yourself. I'm dealing with I'm dealing with all this stuff in my head. It's good. You're in the place I need you to be. It's good. You're in the place I need you to be. God, I feel rejected by the church. No, let me tell you something. You're protected by God. I need you to be. God, I feel rejected by the church. No, let me tell you something. You're protected by God. You're protected by God because you are because you are a child of God. You are not an accident. You were made on purpose, and God had a plan whenever he designed you and made you, formed you in your mother's womb. Whenever I was a child, I spake as a child. What's Paul saying? He said, whenever I didn't understand, protection for what it was I understood as a child I thought as a child but whenever I became a man I put away childish things I want to tell somebody this morning it's time for you to see him for who he is as the I am and not just the God of somebody else who's gone in the past but he's the God of your present he's the God right now where you're at and what you're facing I kept reading verse 12 he said for now we see through a glass darkly. You've seen God through your issues. Paul, you're seeing through a glass. We're not, we're not quite seeing his face the way that we should because there's a tent. There's a tent of, 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 of it's, not a re, it's not a reflection of who he is, but instead it's a reflection of who I am. I see through a glass darkly, but then he said, face to face. He said, now I know in part, but then shall I know even also, I am known. And I wondered for a second, when Paul said, I am known, was he talking about that? Paul, was he talking about the I am knows who I am? Is it that Paul just said, hey, I know who you are, God, but something about being born again and whenever you're born again now you may have been misunderstood as a child you may have been rejected you may have felt lost you may have felt like you don't have success you may have felt unloved you may have got into a relationship where somebody rejected you felt like they you felt like they didn't love you you may have ended up with attachment issues that you couldn't get through but I want to tell you something the I am knows who <laughs> I am this statement before I'll tell you something Jesus loves you if he has a refrigerator your picture's on it he walks by he goes oh they're acting like an idiot but I love him pastor was talking about it. He said, my son, he's sitting in a football game, basketball game, I think it was. He said, I watched him in the basketball game. My son would play basketball, and he'd look up in the stands and find me. 
He said, there I'd stand, waving like Forrest Gump. He didn't play the whole game. They set him on the bench. Son looked to his father to see if there was approval or not. Dad said, you know what? He said, my approval and my joy didn't happen in the game. He said, you know my approval and my joy happened? He said, it was whenever I was buying out the Nike store the night before. <laughs> Just excited and happy that they could be there. This is who God is to you. This is who God is to you. I tell you this morning, let's all stand. Verse 13, he said, And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, three things, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Seeing my face through a glass darkly, but now face to face. Pastor, how, how do I, how do I, how do I, you know, put action to everything you said today? It starts simply this, being face to face with Jesus. The only way that I'm going to find out who he really is is whenever I get down and I, I seek his face. You say, well, Moses saw his face. No, 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 no. That's what happened, baby. Moses sought his reputation. Moses sought what he is, not who he is. It's so easy to get down. God, I love you. I worship you for who you are. Thank you for coming down. Thank you for the sacrifice of the cross. Thank you, dear God, for the whipping post, for crucifixion. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for being the Lord of my life. Sounds like a great prayer. But we've forgotten the purpose. God, thank you. And whenever I acted like an idiot, that nail that went in your hand, it had a purpose behind it. You see, who you are is a God that loved me. You see, God was at the Nike store. That's where he was at before you were ever born. He said, I want to buy this place out. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He said, what can I give? He said, hey, there's a hill called Golgotha. Ain't nobody else willing to die for him. I'll climb up and I'll carry every single thing. You're feeling like that you're not going to make it or that, that, that the nature of God is against you. Let me tell you something. He carried it up a hill many years ago so that all that he would have left is joy. God is love. He loves you. He desires to be face to face. I preached this entire message this morning just for one simple thing. Awesome people at Cross Faith Church in Molino, Florida, to know that whenever we stand in the presence of God, we're not just standing in the presence of an authoritative being, but you're standing in the presence of the I Am who knows who you are. Seen through a glass darkly, but now face to face. Once you get face to face, now you're able to find faith. You see, it's, it's hard to find faith whenever you consider him to be over there, to be over here in this world. Whenever you understand the nature and the character of God, that he did it all for you, now everything changes. He said, hope you're without hope. Let me tell you something. Spend time in the face of Jesus. These three, charity. These three, but the greatest of these, he says, charity. These are found in the face of your Father. For many years, I was raised in church, around church, being loved by church people, by a father who was a pastor. And y'all have heard me make this statement that I live for God, but I wasn't in a relationship with God. You know why? I loved the thought of who he was. 
but I never had been face to face with him. I had an emotional connection in church. Come to church, I'd feel conviction, I'd cry. But I didn't understand who he was because I, I didn't really see his face, Mike. I didn't know who the I am was. I tell somebody here this morning, this week, we're, we're going to do differently as a church. We're coming up on Easter. There's never a more important time that people understand who he is and what he's done and why, what the nature and the character of God is. I want you to spend time this week, every single person in this building, here to seek your face. I want to understand the character of who you are in love and in trust. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, for every single person that is in this room this morning, I pray, God, that they will seek and find your face like never before. I pray, dear God, that, that as they go into this week, into the rest of their life, God, that they will look at the issues that they may have had with attachment, and they will look at the salvation that you have given them, God. If they have never been born again, then I pray that today is the day that they make that choice, God, to give their life to you, God, that they walk away from every single thing with trust in who you are. Not our will, dear God, but thine be done, I pray, dear Lord Jesus. God, I thank you for the joy and the love that you have for me. Yet, while I was a sinner, you died for me. May I hold your face in my hands, God, and may you hold who I am in yours, Lord, and understand that as my father, I am truly your child, and you love me. May I be the child that you have called me to and trust not my will, dear God, I pray, dear Lord Jesus, but yours be done. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Would you do me a favor? Would you clap your hands to the Lord and give him a shout of praise? Thank you.